Hey, Barbell Buddies. Welcome to another episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I'm your host, Tracy. Today, we have a very special guest, Evelyn, my all-time friend, fellow martial artist, jujitsu practitioner, mentor, intellectual thinker, I would say. I don't really know the point of the podcast quite yet, but I think it's definitely morphing into something where we talk about things that might not necessarily be mentioned explicitly in the weight room. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The title of the podcast is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And we're going to talk about today, bro culture, which is something that is prevalent in weight rooms and yet is not investigated as closely, um, especially if you're participating in it. Evelyn, tell me why we're sitting here today. I follow a couple of different substacks. An article that went pretty viral is called Bro Culture, Fitness, Chivalry, and American Identity. Um, and it is by the historian Patrick Wyman. I read it and I immediately thought of Tracy and sent Tracy the article. <laughs> and I think you have a great way of pointing out things to people about them that are true but they don't realize. So first of all, you pointed out like I'm an Enneagram type three and I was like, what is that? And then you pointed out that you considered me at least a participant in bro culture, if not also seen as a bro. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting. They defined bro culture as really being interested in lifting weights, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and guns. I thought, wow, well, Tracy meets two out of those three. (laughs) So not the lifting weights part. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any knowledge about guns whatsoever. They also talk in the article about how being really good at these three things is sort of the ideal for being a man. And so it's about bro culture, but it's also about how these interests in these hobbies are not just interests and in hobbies, but actually trying to fulfill some sort of personal ideal. The article starts out with showing Jocko and his friend Echo talking in a deleted scene from, I guess, their podcast. And it was saying how this might seem like a scene of guys just being guys or shooting the breeze. But he says it's actually very indicative of bro culture and the way they talk, subject matter that they're on is something that bros would be very much engaged in. I also thought that some of the things that they were talking about, about the technical aspects of the squad and also just teasing each other about, do you skip leg day or not? Yeah. Uh, I I thought that 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 was also relevant to this podcast. With regards to what the article said about, what the author said about his bro credentials, he was like, I lift weights. Did he say he did Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well? Yes. Okay. And then I'm not sure what he said about guns, but he says like, I've been in, oh no, he said, I've been in gyms where you could get a staph infection just by looking at it. And I was like, (laughs) all right, that's nice. I don't think I would ever want to do that. He even felt the need to define what he thought were his bro credentials, which implicitly, I think, defines what he thinks of bro culture as. As for me, my quote unquote bro credentials, yes, I do jujitsu. I've gotten ringworm before. Like, does that count? (laughs) I don't know. In the workplace, like I work at, I've worked at law firms, both as an attorney and now on the staff side. And definitely on the attorney side, it's very bro culture like. We've had to put law firm partners into the back of taxis because they were so drunk from a party during the holidays. So 
leave that right there. And then obviously lifting. Right now, um, I lift with basically three other guys in a semi-private program. My coach used to be a quarterback in both, oh no, he was tight end, wait, tight end in high school and a quarterback in college. So he actually played football all through college and then started his own lifting business, coaching clients one-on-one and semi-privately. So those are my bro credentials. I kind of wish the ringworm part didn't exist. I, I am not a bro, but I have been in martial arts gyms for seven years. I was training. We both trained with Sensei at Amherst, who was in the... What was he? <laughs> Hold on. I'm legit not kidding you. I'm chewing a protein bar right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, I'm going yeah. to look it up. Yeah, he was in some sort of... Um, division of the armed forces and then i went to a gym in cleveland i went to a gym in chicago and then i went to a gym in dc and so i've been in a couple different places for jujitsu i also called a couple of people who identify as bros along the way learned that my boyfriend also identifies as a bro so some of their perspectives are in here as well right right (laughs) david for the record my husband even though he lifts he says he does not consider himself a bro so We'll have to see if we can uh, ask him to maybe refine his definition, potentially. Oh, okay. So I looked up our sensei's title. Sergeant Major, Bravo Battery, 1st Battalion, 101, 101 101st Field Artillery Regiment, 86th Infantry Brigade Combat Team Mountain, and Vermont National Guard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. We're going to talk about um our experiences with bros i think i think one of the main points that this article tried to figure out is whether bro culture is systemically toxic they also talked about whether they thought it led to the police brutality that we saw that we've seen you know in america or if bro culture is just another form of culture and it's just, you know, a group of guys who share the same interests. We're also going to, to try to tackle that from our point of view as well. Yeah, we're going to try. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, entire, like, master's theses have probably been written on this. Like, I was just looking up one from somebody from Smith College. She wrote an article about basically how weightlifting, why weightlifting helps those who identify as female and I I was just like this is so beyond my league right now (laughs) I would say starting point I basically have never like learned about the word toxic until you know I started doing therapy essentially and like realized that there were certain environments that were not good for my self-development like it used to always be like it was my fault like there was nothing about the environment that was contributing to it it was always about like my perception of what was happening. First of all, when I think about toxic atmospheres, I definitely just think about like the general physical environment of being in a weight room, for example, and there's potentially loud grunting, quote unquote, dudes, and they're all like slapping their backs and like and yelling and, and things like that. That's not really particularly the toxic part. It's actually from the perspective of an outsider looking in to think of, do I feel safe in that space? Do I feel like I can belong with those people? Will they accept me? Like all those questions 
goes through my head when I try to evaluate whether or not an environment is toxic. Tracy also raised another interesting perspective when I brought this up. I'm like, well, is bro culture making men into assholes or are there just like a couple of assholes in bro culture? And then Tracy uh, raised this third option, which is that maybe there's a chance that bro culture may not be making people into assholes, but um, it's still creating an environment where other people feel uncomfortable. Honestly, I don't know if any culture per se makes people into assholes just because whenever I think of the word culture, I think of like what I learned in fifth grade, which was like, these people have a certain kind of way of doing things and they have systemized it in some way. And, um, you know, that definition can be taken really far and out of context. But I generally think I like to think that most cultures are something that are trying to move the ball forward in terms of development, as opposed to what bro culture is generally treated as, which is like this kind of backwards, hyper, like, caveman, Neanderthal-like thing with like low intelligence. One of the interesting things you brought up was that some of these people are really nerdy. Right. Yeah. I was talking also about people who follow podcasts on lifting. They want to follow it for the technical aspects of it. This is exactly how you diet or this is exactly how you squat. So that is actually very technical and could be considered nerdy. So when you think of a toxic environment, how would you define that? I think one of the things I was thinking about is that usually when people are interested in these things, but they aren't interested in necessarily excluding others or like talking bad about women or stuff like that, they don't call themselves a bro. No one really calls themselves a bro necessarily that I know. It's just other people label, other people label them bros often when they feel like they are being demeaning toward women or they are sort of not intelligent cult-like environment of working out um, and that working out will give you everything and make you a man. That's really interesting that being a bro is sort of synonymous in these, uh, in this day and age with being a toxic bro. We don't really in our normal speech patterns like divorce toxicity from like being a bro. That is a really good point. Before this podcast, I looked up like the origin of bro. According to Wikipedia, it's just short for the word brother, which is definitely not a pejorative term in any sense. It's definitely like you belong with me. I feel like a connection to you that might even transcend like societal bonds, so to speak. You're almost family. I don't know like what why that label is created if it's like designed to call out an aspect that's particularly toxic or if it's designed to just like kind of create an us versus them dynamic in order to maybe make a point about how unfair or discriminatory some aspect of like this culture is but then it's like why would you call it bro like you could just call it discriminatory yeah, so do you want to discuss um, two of the videos that uh, are featured in this viral essay? Yes. I watched a video of Jocko and Echo this morning, okay. and I could not stop laughing. I laughed so hard that David closed the door. I just was laughing and laughing. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing, like, six minutes, and I was like, oh my god, why didn't I watch this sooner? And I remember thinking that I couldn't watch the video because it would make me upset. And it's only just made me a fan of Jocko. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> like what the hell? Right. I think I think it was hilarious. I also think that yeah, that's what really reminded me of you in a way. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, but like that's the thing. It's like that that conversation does not seem to me to be ex- exclusionary at all. I want to say it doesn't seem to be a pernicious form of exclusion. Like obviously they're using terms that are that could be unfamiliar and the banter is kind of like, you know, there's a lot of long pauses and like short words that are used to like symbolize, you know, broader concepts and ideas, but that kind of like shorthand speak is familiar to any kind of culture. You mean they use jargon, but you didn't feel like it was exclusionary. You just felt like it was necessary because they could have a shared language for which they could like communicate. We talked about how quote unquote tech bro culture can be very toxic. Tech has a lot of jargon as well. I'm just, it's just like, okay, if both cultures have bro cultures in different areas have like jargon, then then it seems to me that jargon is not necessarily like a condition of creating a toxic environment. That's just like, okay, you you guys speak your own language. That's it. I agree. So Patrick Wyman shows this video of Jocko and Echo talking about squats and says, you if you don't know what bro culture is, watch this video and you'll know what bro culture is. And so Tracy and I both thought after watching that video that, well, if this is what bro culture is, then bro culture is not toxic. So I think that's pretty much what what we got from the video. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, like, they're just two, it just, they seem like two funny little teddy bears, like, talking about (laughs) something. (laughs) Like, at one point, they get up from their podcast chairs to compare, like, their need lists. It's just like, so, like, if you think about that, that is very... (laughs) Honestly, you know what it is? It just seemed really humanizing, which is like something that I would not have thought I would use to describe that video or like my preconceived notions of that video. They were just having fun with each other, talking about a topic that they both enjoy. Yeah, for sure. Did you watch the Travis Stevens short video by any chance? I did. Oh, God. Evelyn. so, So I watched the Travis Stevens video on small injuries, and I also watched Travis Stevens talk about the championship mindset on um, BJJ Mental Models. <sighs> he stresses the hell out of me. This is the second video that is in Patrick's essay. Travis Stevens is talking about how to train when you have small injuries. And <laughs> just proceeds to re-injure his broken toe and pretend like it doesn't exist. Yeah, so he actually was like, here's what you do. And he just slams his foot into the mat. He jumps on it. He kicks the wall with it in two different ways. In the middle of the video, he was like, oh, no, but here's how you really deal with it. So I just I couldn't tell if he was there was a bit of satire in there. I just couldn't tell. Well, I still think that his real message was also in that same vein. And personally, I thought it was problematic where he thought you just need to be numb to the pain and here is a way for you to get over it and pretend like it doesn't exist. What makes it so different from the Jocko and Echo video is like that was very specific to Jocko and Echo and it's very specific to their relationship as friends. They've obviously known each other for a very long time. They know how, quote unquote, to talk to each other. And like, my God, if somebody said that to me, like in the Travis Stevens-esque way, I would be like, you're making me feel horrible right now. I also watched Travis Stevens talk about the championship mindset, and it is very much an extension of this short video on small injuries. 
Um, he says, if you want to be a champion, you have to be willing to give up time with your family. Um, you have to be willing to travel the world constantly, work out at least twice a day, wake up sore every single day. If you're not willing to basically sacrifice everything, then you're not going to be a champion. <laughs> yeah, that waking up sore every single day and then like the part about like, are you willing to train on broken whatever? I was like, I don't, if that's what, no. I'm like, can there be another definition of champion? <laughs> yeah, so I think if this is what people are saying makes you a man. If this is like sort of the ideal to live up to, I think it's very problematic because I personally think that relationships are worth having. Preserving your body into middle age is also something worth having. So. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what's kind of weird is like, it's thought of like bro culture is backwards. Like, okay, it doesn't acknowledge women or like, you know, it has like backwards ideas and notions of like medical science. But like Travis Stevens is 34 years old. He like, he's not that much older than me. Arguably, he could be in quote unquote, like the same generation as me. And it's just like, not sure at what point our influences diverge. And he was like, you need to be a martyr for your cause in order to win. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, I, I think that he is right in, in a lot of different ways. You know, I think that you do need to spend all of your time on training and you do need to think about not just the championship, but also all the sacrifices it takes to get there. If you decide to, you know, that you wanna be a champion, but I don't think that it is for everyone. Where he just straight up tells one of the hosts that like he is not a professional, even though he owns a gym and competes in jujitsu. And it's like, man, I don't know who is that. <laughs> and he, he basically is like Gordon Ryan is like the only only professional. Yeah, that just really like it, it rubbed me the wrong way. I think I think it's that kind of language where you're like, this is a very clear criteria of of what is a someone who belongs versus not. That's like, that's kind of where I feel like, okay, maybe, maybe people feel, are gonna feel not qualified to be your presence. Right, right. And I think that also speaks to the exclusionary nature of toxic bro culture that you're never going to be good enough. You always have to work harder and only people who are a martyr to the cause and do these very, very extreme things can achieve being a true hero. So in in your personal experience, Tracy, um, do you think that bro culture that you've encountered has been sort of systemically toxic or do you feel like there's just a few bad pockets or do you feel like it is not wholly bad, but, you know, it often makes people feel uncomfortable? Ooh, this answer is going to be wrapped up in what stage of life I'm in and how confident I, I much more confident I am now and kind of my own identity and how I occupy um, certain spaces. I would say I remember as a law firm associate, like a summer associate, people discussing like football because one of the partners was very interested in football. It was very proud of the fact that he is part of a fraternity, like really even talked about like hazing summer associates in a way. And I was like, okay. And he made me feel like I had to learn how to talk about football um, and I had to keep up with like whatever was happening in sports in order to belong in that group. And he was not doing this on purpose. Like he definitely, like we're really good friends now, but he definitely like 
was not doing it on purpose, but it made, it, it set up the conditions to allow me to think about, oh, do I really belong here? Like, am I going to be able to connect with these people on a personal basis versus a professional basis? So I think like from that end, um, moving on to like just my training at various martial arts gyms, it was really interesting at Unity where I trained. Oftentimes, Marulo would ask all the girls to train together and to roll together. But I think I had this bit of a reactionary stance where I was like, well, I don't understand why I can't train with the guys. Like, aren't I as tough as the guys? Until I realized, looking back now, that it wasn't that he didn't think that we were tough. It was that he didn't trust any of the big dudes not to break our arms <laughs> off. I don't know if that's exactly what I was thinking, but like definitely was a safety aspect related to it. And I do remember like a couple of times people just getting hurt because there was like a size differential. I think that was like the first place where I was like, oh, like it's okay to just take the stance of, I just wanna be around other girls. Like there was like a bro culture and then there was like a girls culture, so to speak. And then from there, like being at my first school in DC, like it was really weird because sometimes people would be like, oh, I heard somebody say, this place doesn't really treat women well. And I was like, I'm confused. Like, I think I've been treated pretty well, my experience so far, but then it didn't make me think. I was like, well, now am I on the other side where I'm implicitly complicit in this bro culture thing where I'm like, it doesn't really matter who you are and I'm not really, I don't care or know or empathize with the struggles of, you know, what you might have been told about your body because you identify as a female. Like, I'm just like, la la la, everyone does jujitsu. So now I'm like, okay, I have to be a bit more balanced both as a participant of bro culture, like when I'm in the gym lifting with the guys, and as somebody who is like kind of at the outside looking in, seeing if there are issues or questions I can raise to those participants to say like, have you thought about what perception you're giving off and how does that actually detract from potentials for connections that you might not have thought about? That was a very long answer. Wow, I think that was so good. Wow. I thought one of the things that stood out to me was your coach immediately putting you with the women because he just assumed that all the big guys would throw you around. I think that it's actually bad to think of guys in gyms as necessarily toxic bros because then it sort of makes it acceptable for them to act that way. That is a good point. Right, yeah. And so I, I think like if you hold bros in the gym to higher standards think okay well you know we're not going to be toxic bros here then yeah that just ups the expectations to another level okay so that's a really good point and it's actually been like proven out by by the first gym i was at so like wait second gym first gym in dc so you know you've been there before you know like there's a lot of high level guys a lot of high level guys who are bigger than all of them are bigger than you. Some of them are like my size. But the idea yeah, is like, I'm yeah, 100. yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So like they're, 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 they're girthy relative to your frames. The way they roll is much more sophisticated and refined. And a lot of them actually openly say, I roll with you because you're teaching me something about having control and having good jujitsu technique. And that is something I value from you as a training partner. I don't think they're like, I value it because like you're a girl, you know, the fact that you're a girl or the fact that you have small frames is a byproduct because what I am learning from you is how to have good jujitsu. 
The other thing I noticed is the white belt guys at this gym are just much more subdued. They just don't really, really try to steamroll you unless they're fairly new. Because after a while, they've been through the like the senior bros at the gym and they realize like, okay, I cannot just throw people around and expect to get away with it. I think in my personal experience, I have been to a lot of gyms in large cities. I was talking to um, a jiu-jitsu teammate of mine and he said that he thinks there's a difference between bros in cities and, and bros in rural areas. But I, I would say the culture around me in these gyms in large cities has been largely positive. There has been times where I feel like, you know, left out of discussions in the locker room. But I wouldn't say that the culture overall has been very toxic. They understand that being a man is not just about being the toughest guy out there and like willing to like roll even when they have injuries and like that kind of mentality. But that being a guy is also about helping out those who look like they need help, rolling with white belts and instructing them. Also learning more about the finer points of technique and being willing to see like what smaller people have to offer to help them in their rolling. And so not being sort of as exclusionary in those toxic bro ways. Either they're redefining what a bro is or they're just, yeah, I'm, my, I'm a bro. I like to lift weights and do jujitsu, but that's not like the overwhelming aspect of my personality. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that it's really good, similar to my other point, to just think about um, what is it to be a man in bro culture and to sort of redefine what we say a bro is as not just that tough guy, but having all these other qualities as well. It's really interesting you say that. Part of what I think is the attraction and benefit of bro culture is it does give them like a sense of empowerment and belonging. And I think that's like something that any human being, frankly, needs. And at least in specifically in the weightlifting context, like when you're able to lift something really heavy, you prove to yourself that you're able to do it. I would say, yes, there are certain like aspects of privilege that come with gender. So like maybe these people have had, have not been put in a position where they do doubt themselves, but more often than not, like there are plenty of people who are guys who want to be like bros because they sense like these are the people who have a lot of confidence and swagger and able to carry themselves with a sense of purpose that not only translates to inside the weight room, but you know, in other areas of their life, like their relationships, their job, how their family perceives them, how they how they perceive themselves, and how like they act in social situations. It gives them sort of that identity with a group and that confidence. I was like, wow, being in bro culture is like, it's not that bad. Like when done right, it's not that bad. What relationship do you think that this podcast will have with bro culture going forward? I mean, it's definitely made me more, it's going to sound really bad, but it's like, it's kind of made me pretty self-aware, like more aware of of how technical sometimes the podcast can sound, not in the sense of using scientific terms or specific methodologies or whatever. It's more of just like, I assume that a lot of people understand what I what what I mean when I say like, oh, we did heavy squats today, or we did heavy singles, or you know, the power clean was really difficult. And I kind of like, I kind of look to David same way, the, the way Jocko looks to Echo. And we like grin across from the mic and we understand those things. And I almost think like, okay, if I want to bring in aspiring lifters or to 
make new lifters feel like what they're going through is not specific only to them, then it's, it's important to start out certain answers or discussions with, to give you a little context, a squat is where you put a barbell behind your shoulder blades and you try to put your butt all the way down to the ground a little past 90 degrees and then you come right back up. Those little things I think is, is something that helps make lifting more accessible. And that's like the value that I can add is giving people like a safe, environment to not feel like, oh, I came here to learn about lifting, but all I learned was I didn't know anything about lifting. Sort of just being inclusive in that way. Um, like, here's this cool thing that I'm really, really into, and you can also be into it. Yeah. I, I want to ask you a question about bro culture, like in the jujitsu context. So if you, I, I'm sure that you've had this experience or maybe, maybe you haven't, but like, if, if somebody came to you in the gym um and they were female and they said like i'm not comfortable with the way that they basically said like i'm thinking about quitting because i'm not comfortable with the environment of the gym at what point are you just like oh this is the way it's gonna be <laughs> like would i try to change the gym or would i just tell them they should leave <laughs> yeah or just like even see if they can change their perceptions probably going to be a little bit of both, but I, I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I think it's hard. I think that if the if if you think, okay, this culture really is toxic, then you need like a critical mass of people to also think the culture is toxic to be able to change it. If you don't have that critical mass of people, I think you just leave the gym. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that's the case too. Even understanding, at least for me, I would be like, oh, it's not my fault that I can't like change this this toxic part, but then also being like, you know what, I'm willing to give this sort of environment another shot and not just blanket say like, okay, jujitsu is like, I hate it. Or I hate lifting because like I had a bad experience one way or another at a, at a different place. I think that's true. Like just cause you have one, ex one bad experience with lifting at one place doesn't mean you should like quit lifting. So I would encourage that. That's it for me, bro culture very interesting part of our experiences so far. I think it will continue to be a very interesting part of our experience. <laughs> Definitely something that, if nothing else, gives me an interesting little sociological researcher view <laughs> into what I'm doing. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this interview with me. Sure thing. <laughs>